CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Sunday, May 28th, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with your weekend story. On today's show, we're taking a look at the growing gap between reality and political narrative. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Today's featured story is an opinion piece by Coindesk's Daniel Kuhn. Our feature today is entitled DeSantis and the Growing Culture War Around Bitcoin. This week, Coindesk published one of the most thought-provoking and balanced articles on Bitcoin mining I've ever read. The report is focused around the Greenwich Bitcoin Mining Company in upstate New York, which was at the center of a protracted media cycle last year after environmental activists claimed the facility was boiling the waterways and poisoning delicate ecosystems. Those claims went on to influence an actual policy decision by the governor of New York, restricting Bitcoin mining in the state. The thing is, most of the worst claims about Greenwich were straight up wrong. Coindesk's Nick Day and other reporters took a trip up to Dresden in upstate New York to take the temperature of the lake and speak to the locals, finding that not a single lawmaker visited the Rust Belt town or spoke to its mayor before drafting what is essentially a freeze on new Bitcoin miners. Most of the Bitcoin mining debate today is centered around the Bitcoin network's environmental impact. Greenwich became a lightning rod because before the company moved equipment into the plant that now uses natural gas, it was deactivated, meaning when the miners were turned on, they weren't just drawing on electricity that would have been produced anyways, but actively releasing fresh so-called carbon into the atmosphere. The Bitcoin network uses as much energy as a country like Norway, and trying to wrap your head around whether that is or isn't worth it often comes down to your point of view on how you value permissionless money. Individuals can certainly make up their minds on the matter, but how a state should treat Bitcoin, for instance, whether mining should be encouraged or banned, is a societal-level conversation involving politicians, stakeholders, and those affected. In a behind-the-scenes account of how the story came to be, Day wrote that he expected locals to hate the plant. He and his team had heard that Greenwich was pumping pollution into Seneca Lake and creating incessant noise, a claim that was also debunked. Instead, the Coindesk team found that many in the town and surrounding areas supported the upstart business. Although Greenwich created a relatively small number, every job counts in a town like Dresden, which has a population of just 296. In fact, the few complaints about Greenwich lodged by locals came from so-called cottage people, the wealthy out-of-towners with vacation homes on the lakeshore. Sure, as taxpayers, these people have a right to be concerned about their property value, but should their opinion matter more? Because it seemed to. Beyond all the other intractable debates about Bitcoin mining lies a class conflict. You all know the story. Bitcoin was born during the Great Financial Crisis, a tool that allowed anyone to access a semi-private electronic cash system where the money supply would always be verifiable, a total rebuke of banking in the Federal Reserve. 
Over time, that narrative has gotten a little more complicated, especially as some of Bitcoin's biggest supporters have become entrenched elites themselves, essentially for making a few good trades a decade ago. There are now a lot of white-collar jobs based around analyzing Bitcoin's price performance and lobbying for newfangled investment vehicles derived from Bitcoin. Bitcoin mining, too, has gone from something you could do on your home computer to becoming a highly capital-intensive industry, requiring the purchase of hundreds or thousands of specialized computers that draw electricity 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, if you want to compete on any sort of meaningful scale. But the proof-of-work algorithm that makes Bitcoin also tethers it to the ground. These investments are being made in real communities. Greenwich, for instance, has hired unionized electricians and created dozens of short-term construction jobs. The company has made a number of improvements into Dresden, including fixing up a children's playground and other beautification efforts. Not all facilities operate their own converted coal plant like Greenwich, requiring as much labor, but many do create opportunities for people where opportunity doesn't always come a-knockin'. If Greenwich is any indication, the real conversations we could be having around Bitcoin mining in class will be increasingly consumed by another conflict, the culture war. I've said for a while, perhaps being too reductionist, that Bitcoin is going to become a red-blue issue in the U.S., with Republicans increasingly endorsing it and Democrats disavowing. Although the network itself will likely always remain credibly neutral, the way we think about it and politicize it will fall along predictable lines. Many topics have traveled thus. Before climate change became a wedge issue in American politics, for example, it was a relatively nonpartisan issue that many politicians agreed on the need to do something about. Earlier this week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis spoke about Bitcoin's, quote, threat to the current regime, end quote, in an announcement event for his 2024 presidential campaign. Although modeling himself as a populist, DeSantis has the early support of money technologists like Elon Musk and fellow PayPal Mafia member David Sachs. DeSantis is probably most well-known nationally for what's been termed the Don't Say Gay Bill in a fight with Disney. Something tells me DeSantis' pledge to protect Bitcoin is as performative as his ban on central bank digital currencies or CBDCs in Florida, notably before the Fed has even decided whether it's worth fully studying a digital dollar. But it'll still be enough to color some people's impressions of crypto, furthering the type of political feedback loop that enabled environmentalists to lie about Greenwich's ecological footprint and the Democratic government in New York to buy it whole cloth. As my colleague Nick Day said, quote, a conversation that doesn't include the people most directly impacted can lead to wonky outcomes, end quote. When the only two political parties of consequence are shadowboxing about fake internet money, the only people who can get a word in edgewise probably own a vacation home. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily. 